Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Arabelle Raphael, and you're listening to Why Are People Into That by Tina Horn. Hey, Why Are People Into That fans. I want to start the show today on a personal note. I'm not a parent, but I do have more and more friends all the time who are becoming parents. And it's really making me realize just how little good information is out there about pleasure during conception and pregnancy and after childbirth and during early parenthood, the whole shebang. So I am very grateful that my friend Ryan, who has been a guest on the podcast a couple of times, is teaching a workshop called Oh Baby, Finding Your Rhythm Before and After Pregnancy. It's on May 12th at 2 p.m. at the Pleasure Chest on 2nd Avenue in New York City. I recommend it for anyone who wants to learn more about hormones, fertility, and postpartum pleasure. Find out more about this and all of the other amazing free workshops at the Pleasure Chest stores in New York City, Chicago, and Los Angeles by visiting PleasureChest.com. All right, let's get this pod started, shall we? Hello, Yin Q and Poppy Lou. Hi. <laughs> I'm so happy to have you here to talk about your new web series, Mercy Mistress. And so I am just going to turn over the mics to you first and foremost and have you tell us a little bit about both of yourselves and your work separately and then how you came together and then tell us what Mercy Mistress is. But why don't you start with yourselves? Hi, I'm Yin Q and I have been a BDSM practitioner AKA professional dominatrix for going on 20 years, kink and especially sadomasochism um, bondage has always been deeply rooted in my sexual proclivities. And I started exploring at a pretty young age, sometimes in unsafe ways. <laughs> so finding the leather ways and um, learning about consent and safe words, and then also doing the training as a professional really gave me the, the boundaries that I needed to practice it and explore it in a safe ways. Can you speak to how you knew the difference between some of your early experimentation that you now can reflect on and see as less safe mm -hmm. versus what what you came to? Sure. My first, first sadomasochism really started with cuttings. And that was a very solitary, it was very much wrestling with lots of emotions, but it was definitely about the pain and the love of the ritual of the pain. So self-cutting. Self self-cutting. And it was something that was erotic. Mm -hmm. I very much would cut and then masturbate and, and use the blood as 
this um, sort of ma masturbation of my own emotions. Um, and it was sort of like the, sh the cum shot, right, <laughs> of my own emotions. Yeah. And, and to me, um, I would watch myself in the mirror while I was doing it. Mm. It was very sexual. And then, so that, while I, I would say it's not, it wasn't dangerous physically, it did come from a space of self-destructive as well. Mm. Um, you know, so while it, so because it wasn't ritualized or I hadn't really learned the ideas of ritualizing it in a way that was life affirming as opposed to sort of seeking, seeking a scream or right, seeking the self-annihilation mm. feeling. And then uh, going into relationships where I just didn't know how to even kiss properly, or no, I wouldn't say properly, I just didn't know how to kiss softly and gently. It was always about just really grabbing the person, putting my hand around their throat, you know, <laughs> biting, leaving as many bruises upon somebody's body as possible, um, and not necessarily with their consent. Right. You know, it was like a struggle. I mean, I had a, I confused a lot of people, you know. <laughs> and, um, oh my God, we and, have so much in common. And then going from there into, you know, more sexuality of... Right, still continuing that violent struggle of slapping, wanting to be slapped, trying to figure out who was going to slap who, and then sometimes, yeah, getting myself into some dark um, situations because I didn't set up a safe word. Yeah, I didn't think about negotiation. <laughs> right, so you were like, you were craving that and you were provoking it because you didn't know how to generate it for yourself yet right and even emotionally too I think I got into a lot of power play um dynamics uh that were based on verbal humiliation and mm. I would get a thrill out of it mm. and be like all right let's fuck <laughs> you know I think uh, I think a lot of people can relate to that yeah yeah so BDSM gave you a, a path towards a different way of playing with all of those elements yeah Cool. Definitely was able to funnel all of that wildness and, yeah, give myself rules, for sure. And what was it like to do that as a job? Well, because I do love to, or you know, I love to have lots and lots of different partners. Um, mm. It for it satisfied that um, curiosity for me on in terms of being just curious about humans sexualities on so many different notes but also as a professional it gave me a sense of that I'm responsible for myself mm. Pro to be professionally responsible for the person that you're playing with erotically um, it really gave a whole different way of thinking about how I'm taking care how, of this person how am I nurturing that person setting up scenes choreographing scenes choreographing experience and then also you know as I learned through the professions and through these other amazing women who would give me these tips and, and gui you know, guides about self-care and how do I keep myself safe as a top as well. So where has your work led you in recent years? Yeah, so I've, I've been just been writing a lot more. Um, I, you know, once I became a professional dominatrix, I was very much also um, plunged into the activism world of sex work activism. And... Now I'm making a show. <laughs> What's um, the name of that show? <laughs> Mercy Mistress. Great, great name. Great name. Thank you. Well, uh, so Poppy, tell us about you. All about you. Yeah, you can pass that off. 
Hi, Tina. Hi, Poppy. Love you. I love you too. Hi. I um, love this. I love this. Like this situation. My friend Alex Berg posted something similar on Instagram this morning and said Chewbacca, but make it fashion. That's kind of me. I also like only wear like tummy shirts. I feel like even if it's like the coldest day, I'm going to somehow figure out to like have my midriff show. I It just that, feels the best. That <laughs> like, feels, um, it feels very like for me, I associate that with like, like, um, wet seal circa 1993 oh, do you remember i resonate seal? i resonate with that yeah i do remember wet seal <laughs> i think i'm calling wet seal back yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah my like general aesthetic is like wearing like a tiny shirt or like just a bra as a shirt but then like other things that are weather appropriate around it layering yeah yeah but i'm so, like what literally if my midriff is not out i'm like what am i even doing <laughs> like am i even dressed for the public right now I know. Is this even appropriate for me to go outside without my midriff out? <laughs> um, so what do you do besides layer? Before and, and, and show us your belly. <laughs> Other than rub my belly. Um, wait, well, wait, wait. Follow up question. How do you feel about belly buttons? I am into them. I'm I'm into them. I like mine. I have like a That's great. I have a really deep innie. You do? Yeah, it's it's like it's deep. <laughs> cool. It's my I, pool of wisdom. <laughs> it sure is. It's my power center. So it sure is. Yeah. <laughs> um cool. Okay. Proceed. So besides all of that, besides who are you stuff. Um I am so I'm a queer first generation yellow American person from China um, who is an actor and a poet and I'm part of an organization called Collective Sex Um, and we have the mission of our mission tagline is uh, decolonizing queer and femme stories around sex body love and healing and that takes a lot of different forms Um, we do a lot of live events we do a lot of community organizing um, and we also create media as well Um, so yeah that's that's kind of the nutshell of who I am. Like most recently, I've been doing a lot of stuff around um, abortion activism um, because a year and a half ago, actually a little less than a year and a half ago, because the day after the 2017 presidential inauguration, mm-hmm. I premiered a short film that's based on my personal abortion story and then began touring it across the country. Um and most recently, I went on two tours through the Bible Belt um, on an, a Bible Belt abortion storytelling film tour Wow! with my friend Amelia, who's the founding director of Shout Your Abortion, to like have conversations about abortion and for people to tell their own stories. Um, I remember like when I had my experience, like, you know, I went into it as a very pro-choice person. Yeah. And I feel very um, like lucky and privileged that I live in New York, that I had access to mm. abortion, that I could afford an abortion, um, that I was able to get an appointment like really soon and just take a subway over to get that. Um, so I had like, you know, in some ways, like all of the resource support and also felt like didn't feel shame or guilt around the decision itself. But I remember just going through that experience feeling like really, really lonely, yeah. which that was a really confusing experience of being like whoa like why do I feel just like you know I had a partner then too that was like really present with me as well and after meditating on it on that a little bit and before I shared my story I realized that you know for something like abortion for instance um where the conversation is so political and everyone and like their second uncle has an opinion about it 
um, the conversation like didn't actually leave any room for a nuanced, complex, like human journey of what it's like to like go through this very common human thing that happens. And even the banality of it. Yeah, yeah. Or just like I had no reference point other than like political conversations for just like being a like flesh and bone spiritual human body going through this thing yeah. that like honestly has been happening since the beginning of time. Absolutely. And so, yeah, so um, that's been that tour. And uh, we um, I just got back a couple weeks ago from the second uh, the second part two of it where we went to north carolina and dc and alabama and louisiana and florida oh my god and it was really really cool like we have conversations afterwards and like there's a lot of folks that are there that are just like whoa like i want to share my story right now also and i've never spoken this to anyone before and like you know or i work in abortion and i've never been actually able to talk about this other than in a work-related way incredible so yeah i feel like there's a lot of um like storytelling as healing storytelling as community building that's really a huge part of mercy mistress as well will you please tell us both of you all about mercy mistress what do you want them to know mercy mistress is is a fictional account but it's based on my my career and time as a professional dominatrix as a queer asian american professional dominatrix in new york city it's basically my 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 life story (laughs) but it's also about the people that i've met you know, the clients that I've worked with, as well as the people that I play with in my lifestyle. It goes very vertical in terms of each episode takes one client or submissive or other person besides the main character that's based on me and explores their world, mm. explores how that how they balance or don't balance BDSM and their, their interests within kink. The first thing that came to mind for me was like, I just want people to know that like, I love Yin so much. (laughs) Like that's honestly like, I feel like for me, part of like the heart center of it is like, I like just deep, deep, deep love for you. (laughs) And I really do. I love you too, Poppy. I love you so much. (laughs) And it's kind of a really special thing, like as an actor to play someone who is someone that you love and care about who is alive. I mean, like, honestly, people like are always trying to play other people that are like dead. It's like, no one's going to tell you that's not what it was like, you know, but like, (laughs) here's a person who's like here and we're like holding each other account. You know, like I'm like holding, I'm holding your life in this story. And like, yes, like parts of it have been fictionalized and like there's, but there just feels like there's a tremendous amount of like, just care and tenderness and love that needs to go into that and to like be just with each other, that whole process in this like reciprocal healing loop has been really, really, really special. And I have like a lot of respect for you and like your story and your journey and like the way that you do your work and the way that you talk about being a dom and the love that you have for your clients. I remember when I was doing like character work for it, Yin connected me with a bunch of other pro dom friends and some of them were generous enough to let me sit in on some of their client sessions with consent from the clients as well for me to just observe what the interactions were and the main question I had that I was I was really wanting to see was like what are the interactions with the clients before and after Mm. the session that's what I was most curious about you know because once you're in a scene you're in a scene Mm. and some way as an actor I'm like I understand that very much like you negotiate what the scene is figure that out and like you do the scene but I was like what is it like beforehand what is it like after and like I know every dom has like a different relationship with clients but the thing that really stuck out to me was I was like there is so much love here. 
there's just like so much love like and there's so much care and there's checking in with each other about like personal lives growth and family and community and health and giggling there's like so much laughter you know and i think part of like like one of the myths that like like we want to be busting is that like you know even the word like like dungeon it's like you know like some of it's very sacred and like that's so awesome and also it's like i don't know i feel like there's like a pop culture myth of just like everything's like because it's so underground it's so like secret and dark and what i was really excited about was being like you know there's a lot of love in this world there's a lot of to negotiate and to communicate and to figure out consent and to figure out boundaries and to figure out body and to talk about healing like there has to be like deep love and trust Mm. and to see that in action was like so was so beautiful yeah there's definitely a lot of happiness happiness and fun and glee (laughs) with all the sessions but also outside of sessions and oh i love you too poppy i've actually learned a lot from doing this project in terms of trust. I feel like Poppy has just given me this entire world of collaborating, you know, in a different way than I've ever worked before because as a pro-dom, you are working one with one singular person and it is interactive, but you're you're pretty much, you know, the top usually leads the um, choreography of the scene and then being the writer, <laughs> you're, you're, it's an isolating work of art and sometimes can be very frustrating in how how alone <laughs> it is. But to be able to actually write, interact and create something that's collaborative on this level has just been this beautiful, I don't know, just beautiful like circle of trust. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Okay, so the show is a web series. People will be able to watch it. Well, we're going to be premiering it in New York City in May, followed by an L.A. premiere as well. The public screenings for New York City will be from May 16th through the 23rd. And then Los Angeles, the public screening there will be May 23rd. And then it will actually be available on Vimeo for two weeks. And we are also going to be showing a Chicago screening as well on June 14th. And then we're hoping to, uh, yeah, find a good home for it. Someone who, you know, someplace that will um, allow us full creative control and um, production as well as for storyline. Right. So that's how, that's how TV showbiz is done these days. That's right. So you guys did a chuffed campaign mm-hmm. to raise the money and you produced the pilot. Yes. And... Uh, so that's the only thing that exists yet. Yet. But it the only thing. <laughs> it was like a five-day production here in Brooklyn, right? It was five-day production. It is now close to a 40-minute show. Cool. If people are interested in either coming to the LA or New York or Chicago screenings in May or watching it on Vimeo, for free it'll be two weeks directly after may 23rd 
We okay. will be dropping it online. Awesome. For free. So if people are interested in watching it, you know, what, what kind of, what kind of show should they be in the mood for when they're watching it? Is it, is it funny? Is it serious? Is it erotic? Is it explicit? Tell us more about just sort of like the genre of, of what, what kind of thing, what kind of story you wanted to tell and what kind of mood and show and tone you wanted to make and, and how it ended up. And did that match your original vision, et cetera? Lots of questions. I'd say yes, all of the above. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> It is. It's really funny. I think you know. I wrote it out hoping that it would come through, and I've been. Yeah, we get giggles. <laughs> we get laughs during the t- during the table read. I was really happy to hear like everybody laughing at the, <laughs> the areas that I'd hoped that they would. And it's erotic. It's definitely erotic it's and sexual. It's sexual. That's for sure. And there's uh, many layers of different stories happening with, you know, with the main character and her family and her, the people that she surrounds herself with in and out of the SM world and SM studio. And yeah, I mean, we, we've like said a lot how, like one of the intentions for creating this is on one hand to tell a really like authentic version of like Yin's personal life story as a pro-dom and also creating enough space for like folks who have no exposure at all to like BDSM or kink or even any idea of like anything around sex work to have a window and doorway into this world and conversation. It felt really precious, like important for us to protect the story and the creating of it, which is also why we kind of created it in this process of self-crowdfunding it and then creating it with our own creative teams. If it were to enter the like the industry immediately from like pitch idea a ton of things would have happened to it you know it would have I think been really whitewashed I think it would have been like it would have been turned into like a 50 shades of gray situation which is like the farthest thing from like actual BDSM for this story it's like as much about BDSM as it is about like this like immigrant Chinese person's life and like intergenerational healing and you know family and uh, healing from trauma in childhood and all of that is like intrinsic to the story so yeah there's like there's a there's a lot there's a lot there but it's definitely sexual <laughs> <laughs> full disclosure got to see the sizzle reel and i related to a lot of things about it like well i related both to the the client character who seems to maybe be the the or one of the pov characters of of the pilot who is like watching shoes at the intersection of like, a, you know, a literal intersection at like on the street. Um, <laughs> and also just moments of both in session and before and after session. Yeah. There's like a moment of you gathering yourself and I don't know where it is in the narrative, but sort of like sitting sort of like at a desk, like behind the scenes, like centering yourself or gathering yourself just like a glimmer of that I really related to also the sound design is very erotic yes we have this amazing composer and musician Melanie Chu who has just composed this incredible score for the entire pilot so and then our sound designer Brian Goodhart from uh, Sonic Union also it's just layers in all the 
sensuality, audio sensuality that comes from all of erotica, using all of our senses to really tap in. Yeah, I can't remember the last time that I watched something where I felt like the sound made me feel like I was in the same room as the material of latex or leather or Mm -hmm. shoes or a body or lipstick Mm -hmm. it was really or metal yeah I I liked that I feel like one of the most important things for submissives is Mm. the 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 sound of the footsteps oh yeah so we were like yeah we've done so many footsteps like we've done so much recording of uh walking down a hallway (laughs) for that because it is such an anticipatory moment and that's how you know when your top is coming or or you know or leaving (laughs) (laughs) so I got to be an extra in a scene and that was really fun I've been on a few movie or video shoots in my time in various capacities I love movies and theater and I love the sort of like behind the scenes inside baseball part of it so like being an extra is really fun because you're there and you have a purpose but you're also just there to be like moved around and directed and it's like kind of relaxing um <laughs> for like an alpha person um but uh you know it was an extraordinary set to come into to to be as an even as an extra to be greeted and appreciated by everyone involved and for everyone from the the stylist and the makeup and the costume folks to the PAs to the directorial team being you know a, a lot of women a lot of queers a lot of people of color a lot of people who obviously are are a part of the cultures that are being depicted and engaging with one another in a way that made that I like I really felt it in my body and it made me feel happy that my body was then in the show so what how did you do that (laughs) (laughs) more love right but really intentional really intentional hiring and you know from our communities um yeah it was it was part of the first discussions between Poppy, um, Amanda, our director and other executive producer and myself about how we create this show and whom we hire and how we even engage with each other um, in terms of this idea that, you know, so many workplaces are, um, there's this idea that there's some kind of hierarchy Mm. um, that, um, you know, certain people aren't supposed to talk to the the director or or whatnot. And we really wanted to take that away and and make it a community and make it, so we call it, you know, the the Mercy Mistress team, the MM team. Mm. And um, I don't know, Poppy, you can probably speak more (laughs) eloquently on this. Yeah, Amanda and I talk about this a lot. Um, Amanda's like the other half of Clot of Sex and we um we we talk about a, like a lot how on one hand it's important what types of stories and media and content we are making and on the other hand it's really important the process through which we make it and we believe very much that like what you end up seeing on screen is representation of like all of the people that are behind it who are creating it and that the process really really matters and that part of like 
decolonizing our lives and like reclaiming our stories from like a very like cis white hetero patriarchal male like viewpoint is not only in like uplifting stories of like you know queer folks and our like you know queer femme poc communities um but also um to like create a process that is like like healing in and of itself and we're like not perfect in it and like we're experimenting with it but like what we do have is that like you know everything that we do is going to be rooted in like a ton of love like we're figuring this out together and also like actually if we're all showing up like caring about each other and like wanting to like uplift each other like that's going to show and that's going to like you'll feel it even if like all of the kinks haven't been worked out exactly and like that's a life journey to like you know to to do that both in the media industry and like elsewhere as well um but we've had like folks on the set which like you know people in the crew who i remember someone said um they subbed in actually only for one day because someone else um couldn't do it the first day and so they were only on on set actually for one day um but we were talking at the cast and crew rap party afterwards and um and this person was like you know i was on like a three month long multi multi million dollar shoe in the fall on that set every single day and they were like i didn't feel as appreciated on that as i did on this one day with you all here and they're like i don't know what that is but like i just feel like cared about mm-hmm. <laughs> and i was like that's amazing like that's that's what we're trying to do yeah we got a lot of comments like that um there was an assistant to the art director who said you know wow the director and the camera you know the um, director of photography they both know my name and say hi to me (laughs) like that's amazing and then we had um a person of color who was one of the grips who said you know it's amazing to actually see so much diversity on this side of the camera as well as in front of the camera um and you know it was yeah that was great to hear it was really uplifting to hear amazing i know that everyone listening now is just desperately like will they will perish if they don't get to see mercy (laughs) mistress so let's go over where they can find out more about both of your individual work including collective sex on the internets and where they can make sure that they're getting all of the appropriate updates about what is going on with mercy mistress slash also helps support monetarily and or if they know you know a really big studio that wants to like produce this and put it out there and also let you maintain all of this like culture that we are talking about like if anybody listening wants to check it out or help or get involved where can they find out about that on the internet yeah i'd say go directly first to the website which is mercymistress.com we also have a facebook page please 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 go onto the facebook page and like us unless you're you know, unless you've divorced yourself from Facebook, which is completely reasonable. In which case we support that also. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and as well as following us on Instagram, um, which is just at, at Mercy Mistress. Yeah, if we can bring up our followers and really show that we've got, we've got a fan base and that people really want us to tell these stories in the way that we are producing it with mindful 
hiring and collaboration. And I also wanted to um, interject that we are also hiring from the sex work community, which is very important to me, um, either for people who are interested in just having something on their resume to people who are truly interested in media and just really want to start you know, their career or if they've got a career in it already, want to continue it. Oh, yeah. Right, absolutely, just to come and be part of it. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think I have to second all of that. Like, I, um, because we're doing this in a really grassroots way, um, having a lot of community support, like, I mean, everything that's happened up until now would not have been possible without the community support. And that's kind of the way to move forward also. And I think what's really exciting, and I think this is, like, one of like only in this time right now in like 2018 is this like really possible that like grassroots projects like this are able to happen and i think like big networks etc are listening to that because like they're they're i think understanding that like what they're making their like formulaic media creation is becoming so irrelevant and people and it's harmful and it's violent because you know we're like like it's so much erasure of so many other people and so i think there's a lot of um there's a lot of uh attention within big networks to be like okay where are like the people making their own work that we are trying to support um and so something like this is like i think it's just really interestingly placed time wise but showing support on social media is really great mercy mistress on instagram is at mercy mistress facebook.com slash mercy mistress yeah and then collective sex hosts um, a bunch of live events in New York. We do a collaboration with a really amazing organization called Brooklyn Boyhood, like every other full moon, which is like a queer POC full moon storytelling event, which is like always like the squishiest thing ever. <laughs> um, so the next one is happening uh, April 29th, I believe, which is a Sunday at New Women's Space, which is another amazing community organization. And like, I just love plugging on my friends because like, honestly, like what is the point of us making like dope shit if we can't like uplift everyone around us Absolutely. as well in the process so like come through check out new women's space check out brooklyn boyhood come to like live storytelling queer full moon <laughs> events mm -hmm. um and then collective sex on instagram is at collective sex and then uh facebook um slash collective sex as well um my personal page on instagram is at poppy poppy republic and i write poems sometimes and um share my own squishy feelings there <laughs> um, your instagram posts are like are so poetic i mean they're, they're definitely i don't know sparkly <laughs> i love them um and you can also follow the workshops of bdsm um I teach rope bondage classes, but also writing, and I host other types of events throughout the city that are um, focusing on how to uplift BDSM culture and spirituality and consent culture. And you can follow me at uh, my website, which is yinq.net, and I'm also on Instagram at yinq13. And one other thing that's happening soon, too, um, I think the weekend of April 22nd is the Women of Color Solidarity Conference, which mm. is co-founded by two amazing friends of mine, Florcy and Cheyenne. And Yen and I are going to be doing a BDSM for Femmes of Color rope bondage workshop there. Mm -hmm. So come through to that and check out the conference. It's really, really amazing. With a concentration on, on healing. 
Right. So that's the, the subject is um, ritual yeah. work and healing. Right. How to use rope bondage to heal and also talk about consent. Yeah. I'm so glad to have you both on my couch talking about this. And I can't wait to watch what you've already made and everything else that you do make. I am excited about full moon storytelling. I'm just really, I'm like stoked on all of this, especially since we're coming out of a maddeningly long winter and I, I'm, I'm feeling ready to like spread my pollen around fucking yes. suck up other people's pollen too so mm. can, like let's pollinate yeah let's go yeah that's what that's called cross pollinate yeah thank you both so much for the work that you do and for talking to me about it oh thank you tina for the work that you do thank we you, love tina. you <laughs> honestly you're amazing mm-hmm. and it is such an honor and joy to be in community with you and also to all of Tina's listeners as well. Keep supporting Tina because Tina is the shit. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey. Should we start karaoke? Hey. <laughs> hey. Oh my God, next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.